What is up guys and welcome back to another episode of Bleeding BNG. So guys, this is going to be a shorter episode, but I'm glad that you guys tuned in. So today we're going to be covering the news and notes um, regarding the Washington football team. We'll be going over Ryan Kerrigan, we'll be going over Morgan Moses, and we're going to be going over a few news and notes from the rookie minicamp that just happened this past weekend. So of course guys, I want to give you a timestamp as I always do. It's about 6.30 on Wednesday, May 19th. Um, 2021. So as I mentioned before, the Redskins or oh, the Washington football team, excuse me, just had their rookie mini cap um, for the initial rookies that were drafted. Um, also the undrafted free agent, um, Jared Patterson. And um, the interesting thing about Washington's um, rookie mini camp is that a player that was brought in from the trial group of guys actually tested positive for COVID. Um, so all those tryout guys that weren't necessarily priority free agents or the drafted guys that Washington drafted a couple of weeks ago, they were unable able to participate in um, the rookie minicamp and it's kind of a bummer for those guys because you know spots in the NFL are rare and scarce um, but coach Rivera did mention in um, in the press conference after one of the uh, minicamp practices that those guys may get a chance to be brought in during the season if they haven't been brought in already or during the offseason and things of that nature so just some news and notes regarding the Washington um, football team's um, rookie minicamp I saw a lot of clips about from Deami Brown and one thing that intrigued me is that he looks a lot bigger um, than 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 his projection. You know, his projections was about six feet, about 185. I saw anything between 185 to 189 pounds, but he looks a lot longer. Maybe his limbs are longer, um, and the clips are kind of deceiving based off you know where the person who shot the clip is standing and the angles and things like that. But in multiple clips, he looked a lot bigger than those projected measurables, which was interesting to see. So you know, he has he's somebody that was projected to have versatility playing in the slot and playing outside but you know seeing him line up primarily on the right which is what he didn't do a lot in college maybe he has high uh, expectations as a boundary receiver for the Washington football team which I'm extremely excited about because while I do love the Curtis Samuel pickup a lot um, I don't think that he's a consistent boundary player he's more of a gadget guy you move around he can play X Y or Z he can play H back sometimes you know um, but I don't think he's going to give you that um, consistent throw from the boundary position and bringing in somebody like Deami Brown who can potentially do that is going to do nothing but help Terry McCorn on the opposite side. So I loved what I saw um, as far as, you know, it's just clips on air, but I did love what I saw from Deami Brown throughout the practice. I also love what I saw from Samuel Cosby just as far as stature. He was just a lot bigger than everybody out there. You know, what, 6th, 7th? Like I told you guys last um, pod, he's a behemoth of a man. And we're actually going to um, talk more about um, Samuel Cosme later in this episode so I don't want to lead you guys in too much and another thing that interested me or something that you know um, caught my attention from the rookie minicamp is that the athletic freak that we dropped um, that we um, sat um, from the IPP the international player program Samus Reyes he has a long way to go but I'm not necessarily surprised you know everybody um, during that media flood when he first signed with the team everybody said like he's still learning the game and you can see that through minicamp um, you know he had a couple routes on air where he looked pretty good running the route, had some difficulty catching the ball. He had some um, blocking drills where the footwork was just putrid. 
But we got to remember, it's still May, and this is still somebody that's um, learning the game of football. But based off what he says in his interviews, he is a guy that says all the right things, and he does seem, strike me as a hard worker. Um, it was a it's a video on his Instagram page. He's squatting about 550 pounds in the Washington football team facility, and people are like amazed at it. It's like wow, like this guy that's never played football can throw up some. He's an athletic freak, though. You know, he can he can throw up some numbers in the um, in the weight room, um, and you know everything that he said from working Uber. Um, this past year before signing uh, before participating in the IPP program everything that he said and shown so far shows that he's a hard worker so we may have to use some time to develop him um, and rely on Logan Thomas and John Bates um, but you know Samus Reyes has a long way to go based off the clips and the things that I'm hearing from the Washington football team minicamp speaking of John Bates I heard that he looked pretty good on air um, we were expecting him to be a pretty solid blocker so anything with the blocking drills with sleds and pads and anything like that I know I, I personally expected him to be really good at that um, but I think it was JP Finley and somebody else said that he was running um, he was catching everything Adam, and I think Todd McShay in the draft also said that he believed that John Bates had the second best hands from the tight end position from anybody outside of Kyle Pitts. And I think that was on display in the rookie minicamp as well. So it's a lot to be excited about. You know, undrafted free agent Jared Patterson um, was in a group by himself working with um, running backs coach Randy Jordan. And a lot of people were making um, a lot of, you know, comments about Jared's size. But um, I actually grew up, um, you know, not, not, not. Not in raising Jared Patterson at all, but um, he's actually one of my little brother's best friends. So I've I've known that guy for years on end since about for over about 15 years now, and he's always been just a tough, physical. Yeah, he's always been pretty small, but like he's he's like like a fire hydrant. Like it's imagine tackling a fire hydrant, and he's always been that way. He's been the roughest cat, whether he's looking up at you or whether y'all looking eye to eye. He's he's a bad man. He's a bad man. So uh, it was kind of funny to see everybody, you know, so shocked by his size. But I, I guarantee you that that guy packs a punch and he's going to pack a punch throughout this offseason. And I think that he actually finds his way on the 53, the final 53. But we're not going to go too much into the final 53 yet. We got a couple months to lead up into that. But I do want to mention some players that have been on the final 53 of the Washington football team for a while. And they're looking, you know, the team is looking to move on from these guys. And the first player that I want to mention is Ryan Kerrigan. So, like I said, today is Wednesday, May 19th. So, a couple of days ago, um, early Monday, um, Ryan had officially announced that he wouldn't be um, returning to the Washington football team. Which struck a lot of convos during the morning radio shows. Um, and I'll be leading back into why I, I noticed um, the convos on the morning radio show. But later um, in those afternoon um, hours, he actually um, released the information that he was signing with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and uh, I, I want to harken back to what I was saying about um, the t morning talk shows because, you know, I love Ryan Kerrigan again. He's a, he's a Washington football team member through and through. He spent a decade here. He's the franchise leading sack, all-time leading sack getter and things of that nature. But the way that these guys were overrating Ryan Kerrigan on the radio, it was crazy. Like, I love Ryan Kerrigan. Like I said, don't get me wrong. He does everything the right way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he was a great player. Like, Washington, one of the Washington football team's biggest mistakes in the last decade or so was passing up on J.J. Watt for a guy like Ryan Kerrigan. Um, you know, I 
think um, they traded back. Um, they traded back um, from a pick where they could have got J.J. Watt, and they ended up um, getting Ryan Kerrigan at about 16 or things like that in the draft. And, you know, that was one of Washington's biggest mistakes um, is passing up on Ryan Kerrigan. But like I said, I love Ryan Kerrigan. He was a, he was always a solid producer till the last two years. Um, but, you know, like I said, franchise all-time leading sack getter. He always found a knack for the ball, whether that be, you know, his first game catching that pick six against the Eagles. You know, I thought we had a stud. But I think, you know, like I said, a lot of people in the Washington football team community, so I don't want to just take shots at the guys calling in on talk show radio, but the guys on Twitter and things as well. You know, I think that we had a, we, we, um, this past, these past couple of days, we've had a tendency to overrate Ryan Kerrigan's career as a Washington football team player. While he's always been solid, I think that, you know, that all time sack record is more of a consistency and longevity, um, statistic. And don't get me wrong, I'm a, a big believer in your best availability is your, I mean, your best ability is your availability, but I don't think that that's um, one of the abilities that's going to make you into an elite player. So that even if that was um, Ryan Kerrigan's best availability, I think that even when in, in a podcast with John Kime, he asked, like, what was the one thing that you'll remember from Washington, you know, your time with Washington? He was like, that I was consistent, you know, and that, you know, I, I gave it my all. And while those all are great traits, but he can't say anything like I was a generational type player for this type of, for this amount of years and things like that you know we had edge rushes like Vaughn Miller you know J.J. Watt that I mentioned and other dynamic edge rushes that while Ryan Kerrigan was pretty good for you know early in his career and years on through till about 2017-2018 um, I think he had uh, 12 and a half sacks in 2018 so I'll say that he was good up until 2018 and then he had his injury riddle um, year in 2019 where he missed his first ever game along with a slew of other games and then you know this past season he was more in a situational pass rush role with you you know, Montez Sweat and Chase Young manning down those defensive end positions. So, you know, the 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 the, the, the play was in the cards for Ryan, you know. Um, I know Granted Danny had interviewed him um, right after the season, and he kind of mentioned that he would like to come back because he loved living in the D.C. area, but he he wanted the playing time. And you know you're not going to get it when, you know, this organization just invested two of their last, what, three first or four first-round draft picks on defensive linemen, and they play your position. And at this point in your career, they're just – they're just more physically dominant than you. We're talking about 6'7", 4'4", running Montez Sweat, 6'5". I don't know what he runs, but he's a freak of nature. Lateral agility and everything else. The predator, Chase Young. Ryan Kerrigan getting up there in age, and they're 33 years old. He just couldn't stack up with those guys. And, you know, he said that, you know, he honestly went to Philadelphia, which is my biggest thing. Like, how can you go to a division rival like that, guy? Like, how can you go to a division rival like that? But then when I heard his explanation, when other people asked him, you know, he wanted to stay close to the area because he actually loved the DMV area. Um, you know, this was actually where he spent, you know, 12 months out of the year. He's not one of the other guys that, you know, spends his time from the, during the football season here and goes somewhere else in the offseason. So it made a little bit of sense to me, but it's like, you know, Philadelphia, they have two bookend defensive ends as well and Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. And I know that Brandon Graham's getting older than age, but Ryan, what are you? So even if you're not expected to start, I don't know if you're going to get that the the crazy increase in the amount of snaps that you were going to get with the Washington football team. But Ryan did say early in free agency, once free agency hit, that Dan Snyder and Ron um, Rivera had a meeting with him when they just let him know that, like, we're not going to bring you back. We're not looking to resign you. And, um, you know, that move is corresponding with the next move that I'm going to talk about where I just think that Washington is looking to get younger, bring in guys that, you know, they brought in that they know uh, everything about. You know, I know Ryan's a great guy, but, you know, Ron Rivera is what? what Ryan was a 
nine-year veteran when Ron Rivera came to join the Washington football team. He wasn't. He didn't necessarily know him from a can of paint before last year. So you know, he doesn't have you know the full background that he has on guys if he would have been you know scouting them through the drafting process and things like that. So the next move that I want to talk about is a move that actually broke late afternoon yesterday, Tuesday, May 18th, and that um, Ian Rappaport actually broke, and uh, the, that is the the Washington football team is actually allowing right tackle Morgan Moses to seek a trade. Um, and a lot of people in the Washington football team were were completely shocked by this move. And I wouldn't say that I was because if you look, the writing was on the wall. You know, um, the team um, brought in Charles Leno Jr. Um, last week that I mentioned in the last episode. And then they also spent high draft capital and tackled Samuel Cosme in the draft with the 51st pick. And from what I saw in the rookie minicamp and reports like I heard from the Washington football team podcast, Samuel Cosme impressed a lot of guys at the Washington football team minicamp. Um, you know, he was projected to be somebody that may need some time being raw, but the athletic traits are there. You don't see too many guys that's near 6'7", near running a 4-7-40 and putting up 38 bench reps. You're not. You're not. So I was talking to one of my buddies who's who's not as, you know, well-endowed in the Washington, I mean, not, excuse me, well-endowed, as not well-known as the, in the Washington football team community as I am. And he was like, he was representing the same sentiments that I saw a lot on my Twitter timeline about, you know, it's a bad thing. Why are we, why are we getting rid of Moses? May, guys, can you consider that maybe he wasn't a scheme fit? You know, I know that, you know, um, Scott Turner likes doing a lot of the quick passing game, but maybe, you know, they're looking to get younger. You know, it's a lot of reasons going into why Morgan Moses may not be um, returning to Washington and why the front office regime is actually allowing him to seek a trade. Maybe Morgan went to them and said, hey, like, I'm up, you know, I'm up for, you know, contract in two years. I'm $7 million a year, $7.5 million a year. Isn't really going to cut it. You know, it's, it's, it's time. The deal is up. And then, you know, maybe Washington in return it was like no we're getting younger you know we haven't really had you in the building you're not from our regime we love your service thank you for your acts of service but you can see if somebody else is going to give you that money somewhere else i just think that washington is looking to get younger like i said bringing in charles leno bringing in you know um samuel cosby they're just looking to wash out everybody um from the previous regime under the previous coaches under the previous front office and everybody that was associated with the washington football team before 2012 so with that being said, you know, remember that Morgan Moses was one of the guys that was, you know, speaking up a lot. You know, he was loud. His voice was loud when speaking up about, you know, Trent Williams and his battle against the organization with his frustrations with um, the tumor on his head and things like that. I think Morgan's words verbatim was it's about somebody stepped up to them. I'm talking about the organization. So, you know, that couldn't really have taken up too well with Dan Snyder. And, you know, Dan Snyder loved Trent Williams, but he even like turned sour on Trent Williams based off the events that happened. And I don't think that he held Morgan Moses in his high regard that he held Trent Williams at. So if he's capable of turning sour on Trent Williams, you know he's capable of doing the same on Morgan Moses. And then you're going to keep being in my building with my new head coach in my new front office and you're going to keep riding for this guy? Don't get me wrong. I love Trent Williams as much as the next man. But he's not here anymore. He's not here anymore. And I also think that this is tied into why, you know, we haven't signed Brandon Scherf to a long-term deal. Because, you know, those three guys were tight. And it wasn't just those three guys. You know, those three guys out, but it was everybody on the offensive line prior to 2020. They were tight under Bill Callahan, you know? 
I was hearing mentioning uh, last year about, you know, um, players that were still on the roster having um, problems with the new coaching techniques. I did hear a lot about it with the defensive line, but, you know, they finally got their act together and finally showed out once they started to accept coaching. But I heard it was on the offensive line as well. And the first person that I thought about was Morgan Moses because he's the, he's the, he's, ever since Trip Trip left, I guess he's adapted the role of Popper Bear, you know, thinking that he's got to, you know, mold all these young guys, which I love, which I love. But when you hear somebody being out smoking a against authority or coaching and things like that, those are the type of guys that you think are going to do it. So I was not surprised about the news um, about Washington, you know, potentially or giving Morgan Moses the permission to seek a trade. I, it didn't surprise me at all because, like I said, with Brandon Scherf, they're looking to get rid of any guys that was close with Trent. Because um, remember, that situation did play out under Ron Rivera as well, you know. I know it was under in, during the 2019 season, but it was ultimately Ron Rivera's call if, you know, did we, did we really want to bring Trent back? And Ron Rivera was like, no, especially not after all the drama that he's causing to this, you know, locker room. And I think that's why we're bringing in guys like, you know, Eric Flowers to compete for the guard position. And, you know, Wes Weisher came in last year. And we still got to hold out for my guy, Sadiq Charles. So, you know, a move for Brandon Scherf in the offseason wouldn't shock me as well before the season. Because, you know, we haven't signed him to a long-term deal. If you looked at the writing on the wall, everything that he said in the interview, you know, Brandon Scherf makes it seem like he wants to be here for the long run. So maybe it's the front office that's, you know, giving him a low ball number that they know he's not going to agree to for a long time. It's just, you know, accelerating, pushing him out of the door. So don't be surprised if you see a Brandon Scherf trade within the next couple of months as well. Because I think that, you know, with Eric Flowers, when he showed it with Washington, granted under an uh, old offensive line coach, he thrived at the left guard position when he was here. Even in, um, I think he was interviewed the same day he uh, got traded to Washington by Josina Anderson. And he said he loved this time in Washington. Um, he loved the organization. He loved the area. Guys actually take time with you. And that was before, you know, Ron Rivera got there, who we think is, you know, flipping everything around. He, we think he's the Messiah up in Ashburn. Which, you don't get me wrong, I think so. You know, he's getting his roster purge in order. But think about Eric Flowers is saying these words with somebody with, with, under the organization that had, you know, poor leadership under Jay Gruden and Bruce Allen and things like that. So maybe he's talking about Dan Snyder, who is still in place. So, you know, just think about those things, you know. Don't be surprised by anything. Um, like I heard, I saw. I think it was my man Dre, Mr. DC Sports, on um, Twitter um, last yesterday. Said that this this roster isn't used to being this deep. We got to get used to us giving rid of good guys or letting good guys go seek a trade elsewhere or getting good guys that are still decent and still have some years in the tank and letting them allow, allowing them to join other teams. Like the Patriots did it. Isn't that the model that everybody's trying to follow? Not necessarily the zip tie, keep your mouth shut, keep your lips sealed, you know, a thing that they do. But, you know, isn't everybody trying to win as many championships as they've done in the last decade? That's what you do, you know. You get it, you, you trade assets when the value is still high. You don't let the value run out. And, you know, you give them gone. Like, I'm sorry. That's what good organizations do. And if we want to be a good organization, we're going to have to get used to moves like this. You know, maybe, you know, what Samuel Cosby saw, um, what, what Samuel Cosby showed to the coaching staffs at the Washington football team's um, previous minicap this past weekend, maybe they saw enough where they were like, yeah, this guy can step in and do the job. He, he, could, he could at least step into the right tackle 
row for this um, this coming year. Because I think that Charles Leno Jr., based off his game, he isn't he isn't a, a bruiser type of a, a a tackle or bruiser type of a lineman that's gonna push you off your spot. He's more with quick feet with a quick punch, kind of marrying you. He'll keep you there, but you're not necessarily losing or gaining ground. So I think he's more of a left tackle. But I saw a lot. Of, and granted, like I said with John Bates, it is on air, guys. It is on air. Everything that I'm giving you, let's keep in context that this um, that this uh, mini camp was on air. But Samuel Cosby looked like a bull in some of those drills. It was some, it was a drill where I saw he had to take on the um, blocking pad with one of his shoulders. He had to go up to the second level at full speed, cut off, hit a uh, cutoff block, and still run down the field. And he looked so explosive. And like the way he hit the pad, I, I've never heard a hit like that before. But I've never, you know, I don't see, you know, six, seven, three hundred and fifteen pound guys riding, running a four eight at that pad. You know, that's not normally what you see. So, like I'm saying, it, it was going to be, you know, a matter of time before Morgan Moses wasn't the starting right tackle for the Washington Football Team. So why not accelerate that movement while we can still get something for him? As far as compensation that I think we can get for him, I think that he's he's good for about a fourth or fifth round pick, um, third or fourth when you consider that Orlando Brown was a first round pick, um, got for. Got first-round compensation coming off two all-pro seasons. Morgan isn't necessarily that good, but he's still a serviceable tackle that's better than... I still will put him in the top 12 right tackles in the league. And some potential trade partners that the Washington football team can look at for Morgan is um, the first one that I actually thought of was the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, they need somebody to protect Joe Burrow. Another trade partner that I was potentially looking at is the New York Jets on the right side. Um, you know... But they're not going to give up any high draft picks because they're still projected to be rebuilding next year and they're still projected to get a high draft pick, um, a high overall pick, whether it be in the first round and things like that. But, you know, that fourth and fifth round pick, um, you know, that middle round pick, you can get some type of compensation that you can make. Hey, you may be able to turn that compensation that you get from the Morgan Moses trade into, you know, picks that, that lead you into getting your quarterback of the future, whether that be. Not even going to go into there. Not even going to go into there today. Not even going to go into there today. No future quarterback talk because Ryan Fitzpatrick is my guy for 2021. So, guys, that is it for today. Like I said, it was a short podcast. Not too much news and notes going down in this dead period of the offseason. But we will be picking up steam as we head to training camp and as we head to preseason. And then, you know... Full head of steam come September um, September 12th, I think, is the first game against the um, the Los Angeles Chargers. So as I always request, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel at Bleeding BNG, at Bleeding Burgundy and Go. You can search any one of those on YouTube or you can search Jalen Morgan and our videos will pop up. If you're listening to this on a podcast, please leave a rating and please leave a review wherever you can, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else. And be sure to check out our social media pages. Our Twitter handle is at Bleeding BNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And then our Instagram page is at Bleeding BNG, but the spelling of the handle is a tad bit different. That one is B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G, and I'll leave those tags in my YouTube video as well. And guys, we have a lot more content to come out, so please be tuned into the Bleeding BNG podcast. Please stay up to date, stay tuned into our social media pages, because those where all the alerts are going to come out. That's where all my posts, my social media, my team-related posts, and things like that will come out on both of those Twitter pages. That's where you, the Twitter is where you really get, you know, Bleeding BNG's most in-depth thoughts, you know. And then um, you get our discussion posts and our team-related 
related posts on our Instagram page as well. So please tap into those pages, search us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube, and check us out. Thank you for turning into another episode of Bleeding BNG. I'll see you guys soon.